welcome to that security podcast. Hey, it's Ricky Burke um, and Ashish Rajan. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're back with the latest episode of that security podcast. Um, so this time we are very, very happy uh, to be joined by Alyssa Knight. Um, so to be quite honest, Alyssa, um, you were not on my radar maybe a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try and repair my ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's okay. But you, you definitely are now. Um, so oh, cool. you, I guess for the, uh, the people listening or watching, um, a few weeks ago I was trolling Twitter or on Twitter as usual. Um, I, saw, I saw an interesting comment from someone on a post and it said, women don't have interest in InfoSec. That's my point. Um, they're trying to make women interested in InfoSec when they wouldn't be otherwise. One, that's just a ridiculous comment. And I loved sure. um, the most popular comment um, underneath that. And that was you, Alyssa. Um, and basically yes. that, <laughs> that comment was, I started <laughs> hacking when I was 13, arrested for hacking into a government network when I was 17, sold two cybersecurity startups by 27, millionaire by 20, spent 20 years in cybersecurity and will be here for another 20. Will most <laughs> likely outlast most um, boys like you. Love it. <laughs> um, I, I sound like such a man-hater in that post, but I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really not trying to man-shame. Um, no, it, yeah, it was... Uh, it, I'm just tired of seeing posts like that, uh, denigrating women. Uh, in cybersecurity, especially when a lot of the posts that 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 go out there are just so false, you know, it's it's such a false narrative. Um, you know, it's and and I'm I'm tired of just not saying anything. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to start wars with people on social media, but you know, I think that when when men post things like that. Uh, in this case, this child, <laughs> this boy, uh, post things like that. Um, I don't, I'm kidding. I don't know how old he is, but I'm assuming it's a little boy. Uh, that uh, you know, th something needs to be said, and so that was the point. Well, n nothing wrong with calling that out. I, I, and, and, and again, I was, I was that taken by the post. I screenshotted it, put it on on LinkedIn, as you know. Thank you. Um, that was amazing. That was amazing, balls. Like we're like was one hundred and nine thousand views at this point. It's unbelievable. So I just I just checked this morning. So that's that screenshot there. Um, got up to one hundred eleven thousand views nice. so far. Nice. Uh, nice. And uh, nearly a thousand. <laughs> Sorry. We went viral. Uh, <laughs> but that's awesome. And I'm, I'm so happy for people to see things like that because that's, that's yeah. so much more of a positive message than yeah. the original comment, I guess. Well, it's, 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 it's unfortunately very systemic in the industry where I'll walk into a conference room and, and you know, sit across from men who automatically assume I must be with marketing. You know, they don't, they don't assume that I'm the hacker. They don't assume that I'm the penetration tester. They automatically say, hey, look, you know, when is Alyssa going to get here? When is the hacker going to get here? You know, they, they automatically go to me being part of sales. Um, I've had people, you know, it's unfortunately, um, I wish it was more sort of Hollywood scripting. You know, this is real life. Unfortunately, this is things in 2019 that women are still up against in IT is that we're not really seen as the, the deeply technical, you know, engineer. We're not looking, 
you know, people, when people think, oh, that, you know, that hacker wrote a buffer overflow. Oh, must have been a man, must have been a he, must have been a him, you know, and they don't automatically think that, oh, it's the woman sitting across from me, you know, that, that's writing Metasploit modules, or it's the woman sitting across from me hacking the connected cars, you know, mm -hmm. it's, she must be here to close the purchase order. You know, it's and unfortunately pretty pretty endemic in the industry, and I'm really trying to um, do what I can to change that narrative, bring more women in cybersecurity. Um, I was recently uh, nominated as the top uh, hacker for the year, woman hacker of the year um, oh, uh, at Black Hat Briefings, and so it was it was awesome. It's awesome. It was, it was awesome sauce. So yeah, we're trying to do everything we can to bring women, more women into cybersecurity. And really um, address those false narratives that women don't care about cybersecurity. We don't care about working in IT uh, when we really do. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Sorry, no, you, you got What's that, Ashish? <laughs> no, no, I was going to say uh, it sounds like a good segue into what what do you do? What what's, what I mean? As, yeah, as, so uh, really, you yeah. mentioned, like it seems to be a hacker. I saw your uh, signature says content creator, influencer. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like all, all about this. I have multiple personalities. I'm the Sybil of cybersecurity. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> um, so I'm a hacker. I've been, I've been, I'm a recovering hacker. I, I like to say of 20 years. I've fallen off the wagon a few times. Um, I started hacking uh, when I was 13. I got a you know, typical Hollywood story. I got arrested for hacking to a government network when I was 17. They, they were waiting for me at school when I arrived and arrested me wow. as soon as I got on campus. Um, and I got off on a technicality. They, the district attorney dropped the charges. Um, and, you know, uh, because of something that went wrong during the interrogation process. And I got off on, on you know, this really just this technicality that allowed me to really start over um, and, and, and have a second chance. And so shortly thereafter, I started my first company when I was 17. It was a cybersecurity services company that I sold to a public company in British Columbia um, for about $3 million. Then I sold my second successful startup when I was 20, uh, started when I was 20, sold it when I was 27, uh, to a public company in New Zealand, in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, for $5 million. So about $8 million in M&A transactions, and I'm in the process of exiting on my third, um, wow. looking at uh, LOIs around you know, $10 million, uh, all the way up to $20 million. So. Uh, I'm I'm continuously creating and building companies, and um, uh, just I had this I just love to build things. I love to build companies and sell them, and then move on to the next idea. Um, so I'm a builder. Now you you brought up a good point, Ashish. You know, you know what what are you? Uh, honestly, every day I wake up, I I figure out something new. Uh, I reinvent myself every day. Um, I do consider myself to be a content creator. So vendors will come to me like Sentinel One said, hey, Alyssa, we have this, this uh, Internet of Things cybersecurity solution called Ranger that we're going to allow, announce. We want you to write a white paper around it. So that, well, how do you demonstrate the efficacy of an IoT security product the best way? And the best way that I could find was, well, what if I were to hack into a bank through their CCTV cameras in the parking lot from my car and so that it's possible and then show how that product could have been used to prevent it. And so that was... That was what I did. And it wow. went well. Um, I was successful in that. And of course, the bank was involved. Uh, yeah, uh, was this, was, this was sanctioned. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, you know, it turned into a great paper and that, that will be published soon. 
So wow. I'm really, yeah, those are the kind of, con- that's the kind of content I write. I, I don't really regurgitate sales and marketing material. I take a product and I hack it or I hack into a network and show how the product could have prevented it. So it's a very adversarial analysis applied to writing. So I consider myself to be a full-time writer. Uh, I've just published my first book on hacking connected cars. And I've got a, thank you. And uh, that's through Wiley. And I got a new book contract uh, to write books on um, hacking APIs and hacking uh, microservices. So um, this came on the the, uh, heels of actually just traveling around the world from recent research that I did where I downloaded 30 financial services mobile apps and reverse engineered them, pulled the API keys out of them and hacked these banks using the APIs, the key, API keys and tokens I found in the mobile apps. So I went around <laughs> to Tokyo, Singapore, Germany, uh, different countries just speaking about these findings and how bad uh, the, the API security posture is in our global banking system. Uh, so we can really understand the attack surface as it relates to, uh, to global banking and APIs. Yeah, I've seen you. In, um, I see a lot of talks recently overseas. Um, you know, I guess spreading the news and, and what you've been doing, the research. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm tired. I'm starting to smell like an airplane. Um, but uh, thankfully, my travel for the year is over, and um, I'm really just kind of sitting down and, and putting kind of paper, if you will, on trying to get um, and my new book started. Um, Forbes yeah. approached me about writing an autobiography on my life, which is really wow. cool. I had wow. no idea that Forbes magazine even published books. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I'm really excited. I, I, I'm at a really exciting point in my life right now. And um, I just moved to Las Vegas. And oh. uh, so everything's kind of just starting new. It's a new chapter in my life. So I'm excited about it. You sound like a celebrity. I was going to say, should I get a sign <laughs> from you? Like, please, it's like, it would be amazing. Before, before you get super yeah. famous, can I it's get weird. a t-shirt? <laughs> like it's weird like you can like it's 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 funny because i it's weird to think about it but like i have fans it's like what the hell is this about like i'm not on i'm not on any kind of tv show or movie and like so like i it was it gets kind of spooky actually because like um so i went to this conference in germany I'll, i won't talk too much detail about this but um one of the individuals in the audience started stalking me like started actually calling me throughout the night on right, my well. cell phone yeah, and was waiting for me at my hotel in the entrance at 3 a.m. when Whoa. I came back from bar. And it's like, you know, it's it's crazy because uh, when he was calling, my girlfriend picked up and she's like, this is Alyssa's girlfriend. How could I help you? And he didn't get the, he didn't get the point. Like, it was like, he kept calling. He's like, he's like, I want to know where Alyssa is. I want to come see her and be with her. It's like, oh wait, I don't think she understands. This is Alyssa's girlfriend. Uh, wow. She's gay. Um, she has no interest in you. Um, and so like, he didn't take enough of a hint. And so he was waiting in the hotel. So when I came in through the lobby with my girlfriend, he was yeah. waiting there. Oh it was the God. creepiest thing. Like, and that kind of creepy shit happens uh, like all the time. Like there's people that think that LinkedIn is a dating site. Oh, and I don't know what it is, but it's like, there's something about, okay, uh, she's a chick. She's incredibly smart. She's a hacker. She's, you know, I, I just have to have her. Like, like, and so I, it's like every other message is a freaking, you know, Hey, uh, you're really hot. Can I, can I get your number? You're like, and this is LinkedIn, not Facebook. What's that? Is that the kind of message you're getting on LinkedIn? On LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. I could write a book. 
I could write a book about the creepy stuff that has happened to me on LinkedIn. That's oh, creepy. I've, anyway. I've heard I've heard about this, and I've had people sharing with me like screenshots of some of the, the, the stuff they get. And it's, it's crazy. Just, as as a guy, you don't really see that sort of stuff, and it's disgusting yeah. when, when yeah. you see it. Yeah, it's like it's like I want to be acknowledged for my research, for the vulnerabilities. You know, I do it like I published the first vulnerability on hacking VPNs. I went and spoke about it at Black Hat Briefings in two thousand. Um, you know, I, I was the first to publish this on Bug Track when it existed. You know, that's the kind of stuff I want to be acknowledged for. Not, not you know, oh my God, you know, she's so hot. I need to, you know, I have to have her. You know, it's like I, I want to be acknowledged for that research and the, you know, t- uh, my technical prowess. You know, that sort of thing. But you know, it is what it is. I guess. Uh- Similar theme as such, but if we, if, I guess if we're talking about that's weirdos, unfortunately, in the you know out there, which they're always going to be, which is just not acceptable. But in terms of, I guess, the industry, there's a push for diversity for the industry changing, and you've been in this space for a long time. Um, I guess, have you seen a transition, or have you seen any changes, positive changes, over the last few years? Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, supporters and advocates, um, you know, out there. Uh, Nathan Chung, Chung from uh, from God, where is he with Deloitte um, or PwC or Accenture? One of, one of them. Sorry, Nathan, I forgot. Um, Carmen uh, over at Intelligenza, Intelligenca, Intelligenca. I can, I can never get her company name right. Sorry, Carmen. And um, Jennifer Sunshine Stephens over at IO Active. They're they're all great advocates, you know, trying to trying to help change that narrative. Um, the women in cybersecurity events, the women in cybersecurity conferences. I think I think we still need to do better. Like it wasn't until just recently, within the last few years, that booth babes were no longer allowed at security conferences. I remember, like. What just a few years ago when that was okay, you know, when you had like like barely clothed women at, at booths or vendors at security conferences, mm. you know, the, and that was acceptable, you know. So I mean, things are unfortunately, I mean, I think we as humans evolve, but yeah. you know, it's it, it's a slow evolution. But I mean, I think we will get there. But I think the like it's sort of that hashtag more please like more women cybersecurity more women kicking ass, more women writing exploits, more women coming in on blue team, on red team, on anything team, you know, purple team, whatever the color, and just come in and just, you know, just flex your muscles, you know? It's, it's I, I think the more, the more we increase in our numbers, the more, the, the, the less we will be seen as sort of these sort of, you know, sex symbols, you know, or, or people that like, uh, that, that are you know, just less than, you know? Do you think that the cultural, I guess the culture pop ex- experience that we have around us where if you watch a TV show, which is, you know, most of the scenarios there is a male hacker. But yeah, for me, you yeah. change the fact that oh, there's always like a female CSI hacker that would be there. Even I think even around that narrative is changing. So do you reckon yeah. make it appear yeah. more normal? Yeah, I agree. I think because I uh, I used I was addicted to Scorpion, and oh, you know, he, yeah, he had a woman on the team. Um, you know, she was more of a hardware chick, but you know, I mean, I think as ho- I think Hollywood and the media can really help change that narrative. Much to your yeah. point of shoots, I think, I think, I think this is an everyone effort. It's going to take a village. You know, I mean, I'm just one voice, but I think the more that Hollywood brings women in in these 
you know, primary, primary roles, heroin roles as the hacker, you know, yeah. or, you know, it's, it, it will start to change. Um, you know, I, I, what was it? The fast and the furious, you know, that, that, the, the villain was a woman and she was a hacker, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think, I think as Hollywood really tries to ch- help change that narrative, things will change. Um, but I think it's going to take everyone and it's going to take efforts, you know, like, uh, like what Ricky did posting that up there and getting it and, and cross posting it to different social platforms. Saying, this is a problem. And by the way, look at this badass response, you know, but I mean, it's, you know, there's badass women out there and I'm, and I'm, you know, there's women that are more amazing than me. There's, you know, there's women out there that are crushing it. You know, um, she hacks purple, Tanya Jenkins, you know, all these women out there that are just crushing it, you know, and we, we need more. And, and the more attention, the more of a platform, the, the bigger of a microphone we can give those women, the better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 100%. you guys are doing your part. You know I mean? Yeah, like having right. me on your guys' show. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, we had done the show as well in previous episodes. And I think definitely it's worthwhile calling kudos to Ricky for cross-posting it and raising awareness of it as well because the more people talk about it, the more, I mean, I guess it, it's, it's to your point about raising a village, like these little things that people do around, I guess, other people who may not be influenced by it is kind of the way forward. Otherwise, it just... You know, it gets buried in all the other yeah content. you just kind of it's it's kind of like that whole um what what is it that that that's saying um first time that the train came they, they they came for the gays first second time they came you know the train came they came you know for for the african americans third time the train came they came for the jews fourth time you know and then uh, the fourth time the train came they came for me you know it's like oh. <laughs> that quote still get, that quote still gives me like goosebumps, you know. But I mean, oh. it's true. It's like the more we kind of turn a blind eye and sweep it under the rug, you know, it, it's the more we're saying that this is okay, you know, yeah, by not right. chiming and by not replying. And it's not about getting into a flame war. It's not about you know um, really giving it to the trolls. It's trying to say no, this is not okay. Yeah. This is why. Here's a great example of women that are in cybersecurity that want it, you know, yeah, I, I have a son, I have a 15 year old son, but that doesn't mean that I, like my identity, my only identity is not as a mother, you know, that, nah. that just like you're, you know, if you guys have kids, your own, your only identity is not as a father, you know, you're, you're, you're multiple things and women, women can be the same way. Like we can right. be mothers, we can be wives, we can be girlfriends, we can be daughters, we can be, you know, cybersecurity, we can be hackers, you know, uh, we can be security analysts, whatever it may be. Um, you know, we're, we're just as capable uh, at, at crushing it as as, as men. Out, out of interest, because um, I, I guess we've all got different angles on looking at the industry. And from my point of view as a recruiter, I obviously talk to or I see lots of different businesses out there, and, and there is definitely a genuine push for a lot of businesses to add more diversity uh, for different reasons. And Sometimes it's genuine in terms of companies want to just add some more diversity, whatever the sex, whatever the background. They just want different mindsets, different um, you know, yeah. people thinking about different ways. But I also see and hear um, companies looking just to, to be honest with you, add numbers just to say, you know, we've got women and yeah, the token woman or the token. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a problem. Like I was looking at a company today. I was talking to a cybersecurity company today. I kid you not, Ricky, there were, 
I think 20 people in the management team, they were all old white men. There, there wasn't a single woman. The man was a CFO. The, you know, the head of marketing was a man. Everyone in that entire leadership team were old white men. And it was like, at least try, like throw yeah. a token, <laughs> throw some token women, even if they're just giving me tokens, throw some token women in there, throw some, you know, token whatever in there. Um, not that I'm saying that that's okay, but yeah, it, it is a problem. And, and so, talking of token, like shocking. I remember um, a few years back, there was a company I was, I was dealing with and I was shocked with what I was told. Um, I was recruiting a role that's quite niche. And in general, there weren't many people in that space. And you know, when you obviously need then look at females in that space, it's even smaller. And the, the person in HR basically said, just send anyone just to fill up the numbers just so we can tick the box we need basically we need to interview three people one needs to be a woman (gasps) oh my god even if she wasn't qualified for the role just like submit the resume oh wow even if they weren't available just so they could tick the box and it's just very it's not genuine um you know you, you can see you can hear companies in terms of how they operate and their processes and what they're trying to do and what companies like that that's just it's not going to work the attitude yeah yeah and you know it's not and and to be honest like you know i try and play devil's advocate and i try and look at this from different perspectives and for me it's not just about the numbers it's not just a numbers game like women we actually do provide a different perspective on things Mm -hmm. you know i mean i've seen a woman and a man in a ctf in a hack contest and, and just take completely different perspectives to the target, to the HVT. Completely different points of ingress, completely different, you know, one was louder than the other, one was more quiet. Just so happened the woman was more quiet, more patient. You know, not that all men are that way. I'm not that <laughs> like, oh my God, she hates men. No, um, I'm not a man hater. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's just women approach problems and approach things from a different mindset. We, we approach things from a different perspective. And, and I think that's necessary, especially in business, which is why we need more women in the boardroom. We need more women in cybersecurity. We need that, that other perspective that women tend to think through and think differently about, like, you know, how they say men are less emotional you know, or vice versa. Women are more emotional, so they're going to look at it from a different perspective. Whatever it may be, um, you know, it's 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 a different perspective and and can help solve a problem in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think, so it's not just about meeting those numbers. That's the sad thing about what you just said, Ricky, is that this company doesn't get it. It's Correct. not just about meeting those numbers. It's the bringing mm-hmm. that diverse perspective. It's bringing that other, that other perspective to the problem, the way that you're looking at it in a different way can, you know, can solve it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it's to, to exactly to your point earlier, even though it would take a village and it's pretty awesome. Shout out to you as well as Tani Jenka for actually setting examples as CEOs of other companies. And I guess you, to your point about m and you're actually only third startup now. So it's really good that I guess people like yourself are setting examples for other girls to say, oh, I don't have to be what the norm, norm is. It could be something Yeah, different. exactly. You know, and it's really so like, I mean, I've run into situations where the CISO of a company um, 
proposed sex to me in exchange for a purchase order. Like it was a, it was like an $80,000 PO. And he thought that I would sleep with him in in order to get that contract. It's like, if I was a guy, (laughs) would this be happening? You know? And it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, Like it's almost, and I'm not saying all men, I'm just saying like this particular guy, thought that just because I was a woman that I would sleep with them for, for a deal, for a contract. And it's shocking. And, and unfortunately, this is 2019. This is still happening. Now, suffice to say that individual doesn't work at the company anymore. But, you know, this does happen and people need to know about that. This is not, mm-hmm. this is not just being made up. This is, this, is, this is a thing. And until we change our mindset, you know, um, until we can see women as equals in the in in the boardroom, as as you know, peers versus the administrative assistant, the secretary, the the marketing person, salesperson. You know, it, but like actually see them as an equal that can that can go in there and tear apart a packet. You know, tell you what the ninth byte offset is of the IP header. You know, yeah. It, yeah, all that stuff and, and, and rely on, on on a woman, just like you can rely on a man to give you that data. I, yeah. you know, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. I think it, it's pretty amazing as well, because from our perspective, the, I guess the way I guess Ricky and I thought about this podcast as an avenue for people to find out what else is out there. Like is everyone needs to be a hacker and kind of in line with what we were saying earlier that people like yourself, setting examples for other people in terms of having startups, having doing different roles, and it's just not being a hacker is the only thing you can do in security as well. So um, just keeping that in mind, so you spoke about content creation earlier, and I spoke about your startups as well. Are these startups products or consulting? So I'm just trying to get, get, I guess, for listeners who may be interested in, oh, what else is out there apart from... Yeah, that's a good... You seem yeah, to be doing a lot of things. How do I get into Forbes? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, Atush. Um, so cybersecurity, definitely there's different disciplines. You, know, you can, If you're interested in, in managing firewalls, if you're interested in um, you know, hardening servers against attack, really, I think in cybersecurity, it really falls within breakers and defenders. I think like forget throw the colors out, forget about the colors, breakers and defenders, you know, even the server administrators, even the network infrastructure and operations, they all to me fall under defenders because they're working to segment the network. So it's not flat, harden the servers, you know, keep a patching IS patched, you know, do all these things on the defending side to defend the infrastructure and make it more resilient to cyber attacks. You have the breakers. Yeah, you being a hacker is not the only way you can work in cybersecurity. You can do all of this other stuff that falls within cybersecurity. Risk audit and compliance. That's on the defender side. You know, you can do you can get into ISO 27001. You can do auditing, you can do risk assessments. To me, like I think the biggest mistake that companies do is they jump into a penetration test without doing a risk assessment. You can't defend what you don't know you have. So what I love about risk assessments is you're going in there, you're cataloging the assets, you're trying to figure out what you have in order to identify the risks that are not acceptable to the business and treat those risks. You know, how can you just walk right into trying to break stuff when you don't even know what that stuff is or where it's at? So I think... Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, so yeah, there's an entire ecosystem of job categories, of labor categories within cybersecurity. 
um, that, that falls on every side of the gamut. On the content creation side, and I think this is for, I guess I was just saying, and I guess to your point, you're right, there are quite a few other fields as well. Um, I guess particularly speaking about what you have as a content creation, what kind of person, like what does your normal day look like? Well, say someone who's listening like, actually, I'm a good writer, I could be a content creator. What would you like? And I would like to come on Forbes as well. So what would yeah, you I, Yeah, I... I, I, you know, it's funny because I always, I'm, I'm one of those, I was one of those weirdo penetration testers that loved writing the report. Like, the other professors <laughs> are like, right. I got domain admin, I got root, I'm done. You guys can write the report. Here's the screenshots. You know, that, that I actually loved writing the report. And so I've always been um, a very passionate writer. Um, I've always been a passionate speaker, which makes me a great influencer. I speak at conferences, over a dozen conferences every year. Um, as far as becoming a writer and, and working, you know, writing for Forbes or dark reading, you know, you can, even if you just don't only know what an IP address is, if you can explain very labyrinthine topics like hacking connected cars or, you know, hacking APIs in a way that anyone can understand it, yes, you can come in as a technical writer. There is a lack of cybersecurity technical writers. There's a lack of copywriters who understand cybersecurity in the industry. So, you know, not only just um, being a technical writer, but being a woman. I mean, these are all great things. So, mm. you know, yes, I mean, there's definitely a space for you if, if you want to be a writer in cybersecurity. Um, marketing departments are always looking for, you know, you know, technical writers who can write briefs like slicks, product slicks, um, who can write white papers, who can write ebooks. So that's what I do. Like, I, I merge those two two worlds. So like if an influencer, a writer, a hacker, you know, content creator were to have a baby, I would be the product of that. If that was <laughs> somehow possible. Very powerful. If that was somehow possible. Um, be a cool so, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting. Um, you know, uh, but I mean, it's the thing is, is that, uh, you know, it, it is a very unique skill if you can both play with the technology, understand the technology and explain it in a way that people can understand it through writing or through audio visual. Like I also film, edit and produce videos. Like I love video production. I, do, I host two podcasts. You know, I, I'm doing, you have to be in a multi-channel, we're in a multi-channel world. People don't yeah. download a hundred page PDF files anymore and read them. People want what's digestible in a tweet or, you know, can be read in five minutes in a blog. Um, so, you know, I write short and long form content um, you know, I create videos. You have to do, you have wow. to do all of these different channels. The thing is, is that companies need to understand is they are now publishers. Companies are not just producers of products; they're publishers. They can be their own publishing company. They can be their own publisher. So, you know, they are and can can be in charge of that narrative. And so, we're in a completely different world now, where you know, buyers sixty two percent of buyers are no longer making their purchase decisions off advertisements anymore. They're making their purchase decisions off of custom content. So, you know, we're in a completely different world now where you can actually without a marketing budget at all, just putting content out there can yeah. bring in a significant number of a significant amount of yeah. revenue and customers. Well I think um every every company and every person is in charge of their own brand. Agreed. Agreed. Particularly I guess those looking to get into this industry, they need to be aware of that because they can control that. They can give themselves the exposure to help their career. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it's funny because when I came into IT Group, I had no idea what an industry analyst was. 
no idea. I had to go look it up on Wikipedia to figure out what the <laughs> hell in the industry I was. I remember like, what the hell is it that I do? You know, um, and then, you know, it's, it is, it's, and then I realized that I'm not only just in charge of building the brand for IT group as a cyber, you know, as an uh, influential company and, and um, an analyst firm uh, that, that can be trusted in cybersecurity as being an authority in cybersecurity, but I was also in charge of building my own brand. So, you know, I, I needed to build my brand and I needed to build IT Group's brand. So, you know, that's why I continue to do my own personal influencer work. That's why I continue to do the influencer work for IT Group. It, re- it is the most multifarious, complicated job I've ever done because I really am trying to maintain the brand for two completely different entities, my own and IT Group. That's a really interesting one because I think, and I'm pretty sure Ricky would agree with me on this. Like, I think we're huge believers of podcast and video as well. It's actually even more amazing that you are into the same space as well. What would you tell the listeners? I guess your point about content creation, bringing influencing and hacking into, I guess, merging together, making a cool baby out of it. Um, what, what would you, I guess, from your perspective for someone who's starting off? Like, I think we get a lot of people um, who may be students or trying to. Know, curious about cybersecurity, and what would your recommendation, or I guess from from a brand brand awareness perspective, how would should they be creating their brand, and what can they do? What if someone has an experience, what can they do? If you go to that different level, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I mean, start. That's my recommendation. I've run into so many people where they were just like. I got to get like my video perfect. I need to go buy out a $10,000 cinema or $40,000 red cinema camera. Um, you know, I, I, I recently used to travel around to different countries carrying DSLRs, tripods, lighting equipment. I stopped. I, I bring an iPhone 11 Max Pro. I bring, you know, a, a, a separate lens when I'm feeling funky, you know, um, an anamorphic lens when I'm feeling funky. Um, you know, I shoot completely on an iPhone now. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the film Tangerine was filmed completely on an iPhone. Wow. As long as you have, as long as you understand good lighting and as long as you understand good audio, you can film on anything. You can film on a smartphone. You know, so my advice would be, you know, don't go out there hoping to spend, you know, or not doing it because you feel like you need to buy $20,000 worth of AV equipment on Amazon. You know, you can do it with your iPhone, get a good Mm -hmm. mic, you know, get a lapel mic if you can, get a, you know, get a a Shure mic, um, a Rode mic, whatever you can, um, and make sure that you focus on on lighting and audio quality because people don't want to listen to something that's got bad audio. I mean, they can kind of put up with bad lighting, but they will not put up with bad audio. They'll just turn it off. So that would be my recommendation there. Number two would definitely be just do it. Like, just do it. Get it out there. Don't worry about whether or not you're good at Adobe Premiere and After Effects. You can, I, I do video editing. You're going to laugh about, you're going to laugh. But when I'm on the road, I use my iPad to edit video in Luma Fusion Pro. And uh, uh, it's it's crazy. Like I use LumaFusion to edit my videos, uh, and um, you know I've got this. I've got as long as as long as you have good lighting and good audio, you can do it. You can kick it out. There's so many great tools now, even free tools that you can use to edit video. You don't need to invest a significant amount of money into this. Yeah, iMovie um, does a great job. iMovie is amazing as well if you have a Mac. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's crazy. Like before you needed to like this big sun ultra spark station or a cray, you know, to edit it. like, no, it's like things have changed. Like heart, really high performance hardware is, is cheaper now. 
you know, I mean, everything is cheaper and there's even free. And the neat thing about it is you've got LinkedIn learning. If you want to learn how to edit video, you've got LinkedIn learning. You've got some great tutorials on YouTube that will walk you through things. You don't have to go to this expensive, these expensive schools yeah. to learn this stuff. Just do it. Just record, get it out there, upload it, and don't worry about how it looks initially. You know, you can like improve that over time. Like most things, you, the more you do something, generally the better you're going to get. You know, Exactly. I, I, I do a lot of things and I'm still learning. You know, I've, I've been doing yeah. videos and all sorts for a year or two and yeah, massive yeah. need for improvement, and, at least and, progress. Yeah. And Ricky, I mean, there's some videos on my YouTube channel that I would love to take down just because they're so <laughs> embarrassing. I refuse to watch them. They are so bad, but you know, yeah. they were my first videos that I uploaded. They were the first thing that, but you know what, they've got a, they've got a significant number of views and you know, I, I, I can use that to measure the progression of, of, you know, the, my video editing skills from then to now. They're looking very slick now. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always, I can always improve. I always hang my ego at the door. You know, um, every day I'm looking for, I'm looking for, you know, something I can improve about, you know, with my videos, with my lighting, with my, you know, whatever it may be. Um, just learning from other people. And that's my biggest recommendation to all of you, to all the listeners keep learning, hang your ego at the door. There's always someone better than you. There's always someone who can teach you something. You know, there's people that are coming out of high school. There's kids coming out of high school that can teach, that can hack their way out of, you know, hack their way around me, you know, who I can learn from. You just, you gotta, you gotta be willing to check your ego and learn from anyone, no matter how old they are, no matter how long they've been in the industry, just, just be willing to learn and wake up each day as wanting to be a student. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Um, it's a really awesome insight. Um, and to sort of normally to wrap these up, we do a couple of sort of fun questions. Okay. Uh, so hopefully you don't mind us asking. Um, Let's so do first, it. Yeah. First one is, what was the, the last book you recommended or you bought someone? Yeah, you know, um, so that's that's a great question. So I actually have been, I actually read multiple books at the same time. Um, sorry. Hold on, guys. There's an alarm <laughs> going off. One sec. Oh, no, I, I, I apologize. There's an alarm going off. Give me one minute. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a I'll, I'll edit this out. That's all you're safe. Okay. So yeah, let's try that again. <laughs> um, so, so the the most recent book was from Julie McCoy, Practical. Practical content strategy and marketing. Um, so I'm I'm really focused on content marketing right now and trying to understand it and trying to get better at it. Uh, so there's several books that I'm reading um, uh, around that. Everybody writes from Anne Handley, um, managing content marketing. So those are really the books. Those are the three books that I'm reading at the same time right now. Um, wow. I I'm very I'm doing so many things that I carve my day out in the individual block. So. I use something called, I'm going to get really nerdy on you right now, um, but I use something called um, Best Self Journal. And so what this does is I actually, it's the concept of zero-based budgeting. So um, so you know how when in zero-based budgeting, you assign every incoming dollar that you bring into your household a job? Yeah. You should be using every, you should be allocating every dollar to something. It's the same thing with task management and, and the uh, self-journal where every single 30-minute um, block in your day is assigned to something. And so that's the only way I can get so much done. So 
you know, I wake up at 5 a.m., I work out at the gym, I'm at my desk by 7, I have, you know, I block out time for meditation, I block out time for reading, because everyone says, oh, I don't have time to meditate, I don't have time for yoga, I don't have time to read. You have to make time. That's the thing, and you have to religiously set, you know, uh, allocate that to time in your day. Um, I, you know, in the, in the self journal, you, you write, you document what you're grateful for in the morning and what you're grateful for at night. So it reminds you to be grateful for the things that you have, the targets that you want to achieve that day and 13 week goals. So instead of setting an, like, you know, um, a goal every year, like a new year's resolution, it's the concept of setting a new goal every 13 weeks. And you track that and figure out what you need to do in order to reach that. I know that was way more than you wanted for your question, but uh, but it gives you an idea how I get so much red. What, what's it called again? Zero. Um, it's a zero based time budgeting. It's, it's a, it's a, you can go out to bestself.co and it's called the self journal. And, um, it's, you know, it's not high tech. There's no mobile app. It's just a pen and, and a book. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> I live my life by it. I live my life by it. So wow. it's the only way I can get so much done. Cause I mean, if you think about it, I'm, I'm publishing a new podcast, a new vlog, a new blog you know every single week i've got these three types of media that i publish every week including byline technical articles you know being a guest on other podcasts um being a uh, a guest writer for dark Mm -hmm. reading and forbes um you know doing all these things each week i need to be able to figure out how to carve out my day in order to be able to achieve that yeah so that's That's, how i do it That, that is totally, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're nerd. I'm a huge it. nerd. <laughs> I'm a huge <laughs> nerd. But so, um, well, yeah, it's, the it was. The last question we're going to ask in this one is what was the last thing you bought online, possibly less than $200? <laughs> is that the notebook? I have a budget that I assign every month to buying books, and that would definitely be the book. Um, but, um, yeah, anything over $200 is, um, going to be like AV equipment, but, um, you know, just because I, I am a hardware nerd when it comes to AV equipment, but, um, yeah, so it would be books. It would be, it would be that book. Wow. Well, I think that's the, that's that's what we had time for, but thank you so much for your time, Alyssa, and I really appreciate it. Ashish, Ricky, thank you for having me on your show, and I look forward to being on a future episode. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been great to uh, yeah, actually see you, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for that cross post. Thanks again. My pleasure. Got- I'm, sure we'll, I'm sure we'll continue the conversation offline as well, but yeah, really amazing to hear about you, Alyssa. Awesome. I got like 8,000 new followers from that cross post. So thanks, Ricky. <laughs> that was amazing. That was amazing. Brilliant. All right, you guys. Thanks again. Have a good day. Awesome. Thanks, Alyssa. Thank you. Bye.